The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITO Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITO coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, they are there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all of the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayRx. You can find them at www.slayrx.com. SlayRx is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayRx was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes, and now you can enjoy those same mixes. SlayRx offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products, and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayerX offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legally enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gels, try SlayerX Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorbed carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running, and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2020 at checkout on their website, and you'll get 10% off anything you purchase there. That's SlayerX.com, Pleasant2020. Test, don't guess with SlayerX. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast possible. Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayerX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach. I'm a college professor, and I'm a father of twin boys. My name is Michelle Frank. I am an endurance athlete. I am a mom to three girls, and I work full-time as a CPA. Michelle, it's been, like a, it's, it's been like a month. I'm, I'm actually really excited to lay eyes on you, even though they're like eyes via Zoom. But, uh, yeah. but, 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 but I'm happy to see you and I'm happy to be talking to you once again. So I missed you. Tell me how everything's going. Um, it's going pretty good. Feels good to be back recording um, sort of out of the injury cycle that I got stuck right in in June and July. So I've uh, spent a lot of time on the bike. I'm really happy to be sitting here, you know, able to think about some runs I got in the past few weeks. So right yeah, on. it's 
Very good. Very good. Is virtual Boston still the goal, right? <laughs> I mean, my training peak says there's four weeks. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to go from what a 90 minute run to a marathon in four weeks, apparently. No um, problem. You I got think our this. plan is to do it up at zap fitness. So, so is that what you're going to do? Tell me about that. Uh, Dara, previous guests mm-hmm. on the podcast, uh, rented the Palmer house for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might tag along with her and some, a few other of our Wazelle friends that would come in from North Carolina, South Carolina, um, just as kind of a fun weekend. And I don't know if they'll run with us. They're mainly her friends actually. So I'm sort of the third wheel here, but, mm-hmm. um, it gets us out of the Atlanta heat and mm-hmm. it was an idea. I think we all kind of tossed around, but she made it happen by telling Pete she was coming and getting the house. So, um, I'm hoping to tag along. Right on. Yeah, when we had Dara on here, when we had Dara and Eric Ledbetter on here talking about, and you, of course, talking about uh, the virtual Boston uh, when they first made the announcement, Dara had floated the idea that maybe she could she could work with uh, her connections up at Zap Endurance and uh, and maybe run it there. What what day are you all talking about doing it? Because you have the window from the 7th to the 14th that you can do it. What day are you talking about doing it? Yeah, I think initially I was still hoping to go up to Boston for a few days. Um, That was before Boston basically closed their borders to anybody out of state. So (laughs) I was going to go up Thursday, run Friday, drive back Saturday night, and she was going to run Saturday and come back Sunday. Um, So I guess the plan is still to leave on Thursday. And then I guess we, you know, I'll stay through the weekend and uh, either run it when she runs it or kind of just go based on feel. Um, Kind of inclined to just get up there and get it over with and then enjoy the weekend, but mm-hmm. I'll see what happens once we get there. So my understanding, there's a 10 mile stretch pretty out and back. So I think the idea is to get dropped off six miles out from Zap and then run six miles back and then out and back the 10. Um, gotcha. But yeah, I mean, obviously I'm not gonna do it for time, but I'd love to hopefully be able to run the whole thing and not run it in pain, so. Right on, I think that would be a good thing. Do you know, if you do it say on Friday, do you know that on Friday night, passing right through the middle of downtown Blowing Rock, North Carolina is? The Blue Ridge Relay? The Blue Ridge Relay. You could like come over and cheer. So are you going to run that leg? Or are you going to tell uh, us actually, about that in the Blue Ridge Relay update? It's funny. Well, let's do the Blue Ridge up Relay update right now. Um, Ooh, it, it's, it's funny you say that because that in our most recent like iteration when we when we most recently went through and we had to reconfigure thinking about who's going to be able to make it and who's not and all that sort of thing our most recent putting together of who was going to run what leg i actually had that leg um, okay. and so it's it's a really long like nine and a half mile leg that, that finishes in downtown blowing Rock. it's a cool leg and it's one that i've been wanting to do um and so i can't i can't remember and I, i'm still not certain whether it's actually going to happen the blue ridge relay sent out an update this week uh, just yesterday that said uh, that the National Park Service is not issuing a license to them or a permit to them to actually go on any parts of the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, and how can and so, they even run the race? They would well, have the, to do it unofficially or? So, so, so no, definitely not going to do it unofficially. And, and I wouldn't be part of that anyway. Um, but, um, but they're, they're not granting any exceptions. And so the, the race can't go on the Blue Ridge Parkway, but most of the Blue Ridge Relay is not on the Blue Ridge Parkway. It just kind of parallels it or kind of mirrors it kind of goes sure. nearby it um there's a, of the 200 roughly 200 miles of it there's probably 15 miles i want to say that's on the blue ridge parkway and so they 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 are right now trying to reroute and find ways to 
cover that distance or get from point A to point B that they normally go to on the Blue Ridge Parkway without going on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, and so whether they can pull it off and wh whether they can get that figured out, and we'll see. They promised another update by this Friday, which is going to be August the, the 14th. Um, and so, so we'll see. Um, my backup race is the virtual Boston. What? <laughs> as weird Seriously? as that sounds. Yeah. Um, so, so as strange as that sounds, I mean, that's kind of my backup race. And, and, and Boston uh, finally announced the deadline for registration for virtual Boston is Monday the 17th. Um, and so if Blue Ridge Relay circles around with us on Friday the 14th and says, we can't make it happen, we tried to, and we just can't pull it off, we can't figure out how to make the route work, um, and so sorry, um, then, then I'll pivot to and sign up for, for Virtual Boston. I'm tempted, since Virtual Boston is $50, to go ahead and try and sign up anyway, just in case. Um, yeah. But I mean, but, you might as well wait till the deadline. You don't gain no. anything by signing up now versus Monday. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree. Um, what, what it's going to be is if things are still in limbo a little better or, or perhaps a little bit doubtful with the Blue Ridge Relay come uh, Monday, do I go ahead and sign up for, for the, the Boston, Re, uh, Boston Marathon, virtual marathon uh, as a backup? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it. you just throw it in the pot of all the other money you've spent on virtual races this year <laughs> or the money you've lost on not racing all the other races you were going to. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What's another $50, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely feels that way sometimes for sure. But, but no, I've, I, I've definitely done lots of virtual racing though. I mean, so, so, so that's been, I mean, fun. it seems like I you're doing a lot of running also. Did you so, run 16 miles Sunday? How'd you so get up to 16 miles? So How'd I've you? done, I've done, I've done two hour runs, 16 mile runs each of the last two Sundays, as a matter of fact, but it's just, I'm just looking ahead to, to the Blue Ridge Relay because the Blue Ridge Relay was going to be my, it is going to be my, my, my big major event. But you were um, barely so, running four weeks ago. So I wasn't like barely running Like you ran a 5k in ago. June. So, so, all right. So I, I didn't run a whole lot from. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, so it was right around the last right. <laughs> week of June, <laughs> right around the last week of June. So it was about five or six weeks ago that, that I, that I kind of started running again, but my fitness was still really high though. Cause I, had, I had run, I had ridden my bike so much over the course of the last long while. Um, and so my, my, my fitness right now on the bike, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, my fitness right now on the bike is as high as it's been in six years. Um, Got it. and, and, um, it's just now after like six weeks of, of starting to run consistently and starting to really sort of put in some time and do some workouts and that sort of thing. It's now starting to translate over into, to, to good running form performances. And I'm starting to feel kind of fit. So I think by the time the Blue Ridge Relay or the virtual Boston Marathon arrives here, um, on September 11th, September 12th, 13th, 14th, around there, um, I should be, be ready to roll. So, so we'll see. That's a hopeful timeline for me too. That gives so, me another four weeks. We Plus the last two this. weeks, if I feel as good as you do, then. So, so, so we got this, Michelle. We got this. So, so I, I, I feel good about what we're up, what we're up to here. So, speaking of racing and and all the various state races and and different things that are going on, lots of uh, different ways that people have been going about racing over the course of the past month or so. Is that kind of a good? way to lead in you think yeah it's almost been overkill i feel like we went from <laughs> um after the olympic trials on you know february 29th until the beginning of july with just about nothing mm -hmm. and then it just seemed like out of nowhere uh there's secret track races there's track races that are streamed live on youtube uh 
people are just throwing down really fast times all over the country. And now we've even got people, you know, heading to a diamond league race in Monaco. So it, it picked up a little bit. It's definitely different. Um, but I feel like everything that's out there has been fun to watch. Um, I think there's even a mile race, uh, Nazalite right now out in Arizona as we're recording this podcast. So, um, I, have been loving the content um even though you know there's no fans and there's not much on the line it's been mm -hmm. great to follow some of these small races and even the ones that are intra-squad have been great to watch so yeah i agree okay so i have i have two questions and i'm i'm, I'm interested in 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 your your perspective first Very. question so like you just said we we had basically no races from the olympic marathon trials until like and then until, until early July. And then right. suddenly there's been like these inter-squad meets and these friendlies and these time trials and, and, and all of these really innovative things they've done basically over the past six weeks. I want to say Europe was a little bit in front of us on that. And we talked about like some of the, the impossible games and, and that sort of thing on the podcast last month. But what, what do you think actually fueled this sudden explosion in, in racing? Um, racing of a different kind but sudden explosion in race level efforts for lack of a better way of saying it sure i mean i think that the um people and groups who chose to keep training as if you know maybe not the olympic trials and the olympics were going to happen because that has been called off for a while now but there was a long period of time where USATF kind of bargained with the idea of holding some type of national championship at the end of the summer. So I think we saw just a big split with the elites. We saw the people that were just going to train hard and push on through as if 2020 was an ordinary year. And then they were bound to just come up with some way to show their fitness. And we saw the people that just kind of shut it down and, um, you know, just lay the groundwork for building back up starting in the fall. So for the people that didn't shut down and kept working out hard, I mean, this just seems like the natural destination to show off their fitness. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, coaches got creative and they came up with track races and we got to watch some good track. Um, I don't think there was any point in sending these athletes out there through a full training schedule and not letting them, you know, have a chance to test their fitness. So, yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I, I think, I think maybe somewhere around like, like six to seven weeks ago. And I, I remember I had a, a conversation with Patrick um, after one of our podcasts not too long ago. And he said that one thing that he didn't foresee was this kind of gray area that we we're, we're in right now, you know, right. And, and, and I think he's right about that. And, and I didn't foresee it either, even though probably should have, but this sort of like, okay, the disease is still out there and, and we're still kind of in danger and in community spread and high levels of transmission but we were kind of trying to get back to normal and trying to, to, to navigate um, all these various challenges and still be safe. Right. Um, sure. I, I think a lot of us sort of start thought, well, it's shut down so quickly in March, it's just going to wind right up back up really quickly in June. Um, uh, and I think a lot of people thought that. So I think maybe one of the reasons why all these things started getting put on the calendars and uh, over the course of the last seven weeks is because we kind of suddenly had the realization that no, these things are not actually, coming out of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not going to suddenly snap back out of it again. Like we're, we, we have to figure out a new normal. We have to figure out some different way of going about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so um, I do think it's interesting. So the, the other thing to ask is, is, and this is something that you and I were texting about earlier today. People have run really fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I said something earlier about, you know, the athletes that really went out there, they trained hard, uh, nobody was watching, you know, mm -hmm. there was going to be nobody to perform in front of, and then they went out and then they ran times 
when it gets still, nobody was watching. So right. um, I think the fascinating thing is, especially with the intra-squad races with the Bowerman Track Club, we, you know, we saw some American records fall. Mm-hmm. We saw Mo Ahmed run that amazing 5K. Um, but I'm, I'm yeah. still blown away by that. But keep I going. know, your favorite sports moment of 2020. No, right? for sure. No, undoubtedly. But keep going. We're, I, I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute because <laughs> I don't know how much we've actually talked about that. I don't know how much people actually know what we're talking about here. But keep going. Well, hopefully everybody by the end of this will go watch that video. But <laughs> um, I kind of lost my train of thought. But yeah, it's like these guys, they showed up. They worked hard. There were essentially, you know, maybe there's a lot of talk of what people's contracts how many races they had to complete or whatever. But I think it, we got to see racing that, I mean, you could go through a whole summer of diamond league races traveling in Europe. And some of these races are rabbited and they are planned and they're strategic. And we just got to see like balls to the wall racing. So right. I think that is a huge reason why we saw so many fast times. We saw fast times from Portland, from Seattle runners, you know, Shannon Roberry came out of California and ran mm-hmm. again, you know, kind of just like her pre, uh, pre-baby pre self. We saw four-minute flat up in Boston with the New Balance athletes. Um, I think it's just a great testament to just race. Just race hard. Go from the gun. Don't mm-hmm. You don't need to go out in the women's 1,500 meters, you know, at four-and-a-half-minute pace and, and wait for somebody to make a move after two laps of jogging. Like, mm-hmm. these races were awesome because people ran hard, you know, from – the gun to the bell lap through the finish line. Um, I'd love to see more of this type of racing. I thought, it, I mean, I it was great. Yeah, <laughs> except for I, the last meet. The last yeah, meet was kind of a bummer, but <laughs> I agree. But 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 so yeah, and I, I think I think you're 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 touching on something important there. That that like if you think about what somebody like what what a pro athlete, what a pro runner wants to get out of a race, I think I think most of the time, if you're talking about like a really prestigious track meet. I think a lot of runners would rather say, I'd rather have the title of being the winner of this track meet than sure. have a really, really fast time. Right. Whereas who cares who wins the inner squad meet? It's all about the fast times. And so, so I, I feel like maybe that's the reason why so many people are running such fast times right now is because the time is all they have to really focus on. They're not getting any medals for it. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think if these that. athletes are going to take anything away from 2020 as they build into what you know, supposedly an Olympic year, 2021, mm-hmm. fast times, not how they place against other international competition are the only things that are going to kind of build their confidence and stroke their ego and set them up for, you know, mm-hmm. success on the world level. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we saw Emma Coburn run a mile PR. I mean, people are running, you know, distances, PRs all over the place, fast right. times. It's just, I th- if you're one of these runners, I mean, you've got to be feeling good about yourself, even though you didn't win a diamond league race this year, because there wasn't a diamond league and there was no pre and there was no Stanford invite, but you've got these massive PRs. And I just think that's worth everything. So, so the, so the race that you're talking about that I stayed up late and watched on, I think on a Friday night, um, was, was a inner squad meet with the Bowerman track club. Right. Uh, right. And and they they made a point of of not saying exactly where it was because they didn't want a crowd to come and show up and watch. Yeah, um, the high school where they ran uh, made them sign an agreement because they didn't want you know spectators to be drawn to the meet. So right, right. And so so it was basically all of these people who have been bubbled together 
um, in Portland, um, training together and living together um, and, and kind of racing against one another. And so um, to me, the marquee events of the night were the, the men's and women's 5,000 meters. The, the women's 5,000 meters, prior to this race, the, the, the American record for the women's 5,000 meters was 1434. Yeah, it was shattered. Um, and, and, and Shannon Roberry and Carissa Schweitzer go out and run 14.24 and 14.26. No, not so, Shannon Roberry. So who Shelby was it? Houlihan. Shelby Houlihan. I, <laughs> I, 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 my mind is still blown from it. That's what I'm saying. So, so, so uh, uh, Shelby Houlihan uh, literally breaks the record by 10 seconds. And it's not like this was some slouching record or anything. It was 14:34, and it's been it's it's been steadily moving down for a while. But to slice 10 seconds off that record, that was insane. Chris Swizer, who's like a year out of college, not actually a year out of college, but it's close. maybe three years out. Of yeah, college. and, and she, she 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 cuts eight seconds off of the American record and finishes second, a clear second in the race in in her inner squad meet. Yeah, um, I mean, that was an awesome race. And yeah. and now, and to my point before, when you hear these these women have been on a few follow-up podcasts, I mean, they are very much of, yeah, I can run under 14.20. I mean, that's crazy. An American mm-hmm. woman running mm-hmm. a 5K in 14, you know, something in the teens. I mean, you're getting close to the world record there. What is the world yeah. record? 14.13? I mean, I, I don't know. But it's somewhere around then. They're just not that far off. Um, right on. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what races Jerry picks for them um, for the trials, Olympic trials next year, assuming that all happens. But to, um, but to your point, though, it, it does make me wonder, okay, so, so let's just, let's, let's be optimistic and let's say that, that vaccines happen and the pandemic is, is uh, put in its place and, and we go back to having a regular track season next year. Are they going to be able to continue to progress and get down into the 14 teens like this would suggest, or, or is something about the way that this year has unfolded and the nature of that race, d- does that lend to that 1424 in a way that can't be recaptured and recreated in 2021? No, I don't think Jerry Schumacher and Bowerman Track Club are, I don't think they've done anything that can't be recaptured or built upon. I think if anything, you know, he's held as much as they've broken American records and run PRs across all distances almost all the athletes who are running, I think if anything, he's held them back a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. These women wanted to run a hard 10 K for their final Mm -hmm. race. Mm -hmm. And as you know, you know, Friday they ran, uh, they got to run an 800. (laughs) So I think he kind of let them go out there and do their thing, but the Mm -hmm. longest and hardest they went was 5k. Um, Mm -hmm. And if anything, you know, somebody like Shelby will just lead, um, from start to finish, if, if it's too slow. I mean, she, she knows what she's capable mm-hmm. of now mm-hmm. and she knows that she can probably run even faster than that. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I just think everybody in that group, if they can stay healthy is just on the up and up. So mm-hmm. it'll be fascinating to see what happens when they get back to a more international stage. Um, right on. I think they're taking a lot of criticism now for shutting down and you know, not at least going to Monaco um, for the Diamond League race. It's going to happen next week. But I think this is just classical Bowerman Track Club. Like they're making their own rules and they're doing their own thing. Um, so <laughs> right on. <laughs> they're right, heading so back I- to altitude, I think, for a few, you know, for a long fall base training stint. So 
Hmm. We probably won't see much of them anymore, but thanks for a great July, Bowerman. <laughs> right. So I, I want to hear more about the Diamond League meet. We're going to talk about that in a second, but we should also mention that, so the men's 5,000 that same night. Um, oh, so that same night that Shelby Houlihan and, and Carissa Swicer ran so fast in the women's 5,000, the men's 5,000, um, uh, just another inner squad race. And Mo Ahmed, who is a Canadian, uh, ran a Canadian record of 1250 of 12:46. Um, I, I, I've, just watching this guy, it was probably the purest 5,000 meter race I've ever seen in my life. Cause there's nobody there. It was and beautiful. It's just, and, <laughs> it was and, just like, yeah. And, and he just goes out there and, and they go through the mile in like four Oh seven and they go through two miles in like, like eight fifteen, And then he throws down uh, a four flat last mile and, and just, and runs one of the top 10 fastest 5,000 meter times of all time uh, and breaks the Canadian record by, I want to say about 10 seconds as well. Um, his own Canadian record. So yeah, just, it, it was stunning. And I was like in my house by myself, like, yes, yes, yes. And it, <laughs> and it, and it was, but it was, it was, it was such an odd feeling, but yet so 2020 yeah. um, that, that here I was getting so fired up watching this, this performance of this Canadian runner at a high school track, virtually solo. Um, it's amazing. Um, this is a little bit like tangent, but he's a poet. Do you know that? Like, I if you listen that. to the last 20 minutes of his interview with Lindsay Hine, he, he can just, he like verbatim reads off all this poetry. His grandmother was a poet. Like, she used to get into like these crazy poetry arguments with other women of her generation. It's amazing. I mean, it just gave me this whole new perspective. I think you would really, really appreciate it. <laughs> Interesting. So, all right. Very good. But yeah. Um, he, did you see him run on the, what did they do? An elimination 2K race? Yeah. And he, I, I, I didn't see it. I read about it. I mean, it was, it was fascinating to watch because I think they started with six people. Evan Yeager was part of it. Lopez Lamong, mm -hmm. Woody. I mean, they, and he just, everybody kept on kind of speeding up and dropping mm -hmm. back and nobody wanted to get eliminated. And he mm -hmm. was so far out front. I mean, it wasn't even, there was nothing for even the commentators to talk about the last <laughs> lap, but people thought that he kept on crazy pushing ahead. And then it was kind of like watching a Des Linden race. If you look at his mm -hmm. laps, he just stayed super consistent, but everybody else just kind of fought for their life each lap to stay uh -huh. at least one spot ahead from being eliminated. But um, yeah, he annihilated that field and he's just, a beautiful runner to watch run. I right mean, on, right yeah. on. Yeah, all those, those guys you mentioned, uh, Lopez Lemong, uh, Evan Jaeger, they, they were both in that 5,000 meter race as well. Lopez Lemong uh, joined the sub 13 minute club in that same race. Yeah. Um, but yet finished 10 seconds behind Mo. I mean, we ran a brilliant race. Um, yeah, Lopez Lemong. And, and, and became like the, the top, one of the top five fastest Americans of all time. But, but was but just. last week he looked really outclassed. I mean, he looked oh, yeah. a little. He's a he looked older. like he was struggling. Yeah, I mean, it could just be like his 5K PR from a few weeks ago was, you could call the season that. So mm -hmm. Very good. Other things that people are doing for interesting stuff. Uh, let's talk about Courtney DeWalter, speaking of people that are doing sort of interesting stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, okay, so, so, so spoiler alert, it didn't turn out as well for Courtney DeWalter as it did for everybody else. So Courtney DeWalter, who we've talked about on this podcast before, is uh, the premier American ultra runner right now. Would you say that's probably accurate? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, she's yeah. definitely, you know, she comes up big in some of the most hardest, grueling, longest races uh, that are out there. So Right on, right on. And, and she, she has a, a pretty impressive resume and has, has won – 
all the big ultra races. Uh, and so she took as her goal a fastest known time, a so-called FKT, which ultra runners are into anyway. Um, but I think ultra runners have been particularly into it over the course of the past six months um, because that's something you can do unsupported and, and you can put on Strava and that sort of thing, a so-called fastest known time. So the one she, she undertook was, it was an eight-day record. It was basically to cross the state of Colorado, right? Yeah. Which is no joke because there's a couple mountains in Colorado. Yeah, she went west to east, right? Because mm -hmm. there was another runner go trying the east to west FKT at the same time. So, okay. yeah, um, she ran great. I mean, she got past the 300-mile mark. She was well ahead of FKT, you know, mm -hmm. previously FKT time, which I guess mm -hmm. still stands. Um, mm -hmm. But she came down with uh, – we kind of woke up Monday to see a picture of her in the hospital on oxygen. Mm -hmm. So it um, mm -hmm. seemed like her attempt was over – but I have a few friends that, two friends actually, two people I know that ran with her out there. And um, she said in a video that it was her first time up Hope Pass, which is sort of the iconic part of the Leadville 100. I think it's 12,000 feet, mm -hmm. which is actually interesting to me. I, I need to go look that up because I feel as if there's no way Courtney DeWalter has never been over Hope Pass. So you can hear her saying that in a video that was recorded, but I'm wondering if she was maybe starting to get a little bit delirious from the oxygen deprivation. <laughs> maybe, because, because they, they actually took her O2 concentration, right? And, yeah, and her saturation was, 70, was wasn't it? pretty bad. Yeah, what? I mean, that's... 70. I, I didn't even know you could live with your oxygen with your O2 at 70. Um, you know, for, for the, the 2020 reference of the night here, if your O2 concentration is below 90 and you have COVID-19, they put you in the hospital. And hers was at 70. Uh, and of course, she didn't have COVID-19, at least so far as we know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so needless to say, that brought a, a uh, swift and bitter end to, to her attempt to get that FKT. So it would have been like an about... Like, like you said, she got about halfway. I think she was trying to. I think she to, was a little bit more than halfway. Yeah, a little right? bit more than halfway. So, so yeah. But at one point, she was what twenty-two hours. A, I mean, she was way ahead. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, she was yeah, doing well. Good. Yeah, she she had definitely she she was definitely well on her way, but but wasn't quite able to to finish the drill there. Um, let's talk about Sarah Hall. Oh yeah, so um, Sarah Hall was featured on a podcast last week. And she kind of rumored about a half marathon time trial, which was probably going to be a solo effort, but not really a solo effort. Um, and then a possible fall marathon. And we all kind of woke up this weekend was it, and saw that uh, she ran a sanctioned half marathon in Oregon, which was put on by Ian Dobson, who uh, pretty well known in the running world, former Stanford teammates of her and her husband, Ryan, uh, she went out there and ran a huge PR basically by herself. Um, she had two male pacers and one of whom is from Smyrna, Georgia, them, right? <laughs> so one of whom is from Smyrna, Georgia, Jared Carson. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, um, uh, one of, uh, one of the, the, the identical Carson twins from, from Smyrna, Georgia. Yeah. So I think, you know, we hadn't seen or heard much from her since she dropped out of the Olympic trials marathon at mile 22. Mm -hmm. uh, she's, recounted many times that it's probably one of the most devastating moments of her career. She thought she was in the best shape of her life. You know, that that was finally her chance to make an Olympic team. And like many people on that day, uh, she just suffered, you know, the carnage of the course uh, here in Atlanta, but it's pretty great to see her go out, run a solo effort, run a big PR. Um, we are going to see her run a fall marathon. She hasn't announced which one yet, but like anyone who follows the sport knows, as it stands, really the only thing happening this fall 
is uh, an elite only race as what will be the London Marathon for 2020. So it's not official, but I think we're all kind of assuming that we're going to see her toe the line there for another marathon attempt. Um, yeah, Sarah, Sarah Hall was the, uh, became the sixth fastest American woman at the half marathon distance uh, with her, what was it, 108.48? Is that what it was? No, 108.48 was her previous PR. Okay. I think she went 108.13. Awesome. I mean, she, it was a good 30. It was good. Um, Very it cool. It was solid. She wasn't under 108, but she was low 108. So Awesome. Um, Very good. Great Very time. good. So. And so, so, yeah, and we actually didn't put this in our notes to talk about, and I'm shocked that we didn't, but... For kids? No, I was going to oh. say the London Marathon, but yeah. <laughs> oh, while, yeah. While, while we're talking about Sarah Hall, yeah. So so the, the race only had, I want to say, what, six finishers, and two of Five. them were two of her daughters? <laughs> Five. Five finishers. So, 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 and, and so, so, and three of them were from the same family. There was Sarah Hall, of course, who, who ran the number six time all time. And then two of her, of, of her daughters. Uh, yeah. I mean, can we talk well. about that? Like, yeah, they ran great. You know, Ethiopian foster, her kids that they adopted a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't run much in foster care. You know, her older daughter started running a few years ago, was going to run on scholarship in college. And then the daughter, I mean, maybe the 15-year-old, I don't know if the, the second oldest is 15, but they ran like 121 and 123 halves, just in the midst of hard training for what they hope to be their fall cross-country seasons, right. kind of just like for shits and giggles, basically, which is unbelievably <laughs> amazing. Like, I'd love to run a 121 half for- Just knock one out? Yeah, sure. <laughs> just follow my mom. <laughs> Right on, anyway. right on. So, so your your mom would not beat you by twelve minutes in a half marathon, Michelle. Can, no, my I, mom would just be texting me and being like, confidence. "George, where is my daughter?" I'm worried. <laughs> so, I, it, it's been forty five minutes. Why isn't she finished yet? <laughs> right. So maybe. Maybe. Uh, so, but London Marathon though. And so, so yeah, she hinted that she has some bigger goals. Jordan Hesse point, posted something on Instagram hinting that she has some big goals for this fall. Um, so the London Marathon announced about a week ago, they announced in early August here, um, something that I think a lot of us were expecting, but we didn't know exactly what shape it was going to take. Um, the, the London Marathon had been rescheduled from April to October. Um, and then hadn't made any announcements about how they were going to be changing their race at all. Um, and, and then did finally announce about a week ago here in early August that, that is, uh, they're changing the race and it's going to be an elites only race. Um, and then rather than running the traditional uh, London Marathon course, they're actually just running uh, lap courses, uh, a loop course around um, a park in downtown London. Um, yeah, I know it's not Hyde Park. Do you know, do you know how many miles each loop is? I didn't see, I didn't sure. read the actual details on the Mm-mm. course, but yeah. it it did say it was going to be no spectators inside a park loops elites only mm-hmm. um london was kind of smart i think about the way they announced the field because they basically told us that um kipchoge and bekele would be racing each other which is all like that's enough to get everybody hyped right. up <laughs> but right. no they haven't announced anybody else yet and <laughs> it's i mean maybe that's the only thing to be excited about anyway the fact mm-hmm. that we're going to get to watch uh, a world marathon major happen in any capacity, but yeah, we don't know who else is running, but I have to assume that, you know, every professional, um, marathon or that's hinting at a fall marathon, especially the last week or two is probably slated to appear in London. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what else there is. Is there anything else? No. I mean, there's um, tight, there's small races, but. Right. Right. Um, I mean, there, there are, and, and there's these, things they do like getting their college friends to put on half marathons for them yeah. to have six finishers. So, so, you know, maybe, maybe that's it. When Jordan Hesse says, I have this great marathon planned, maybe, you know, she's going to be doing 
I don't know, something in our backyard, but, but, but I, I, I wouldn't think so. I don't think so. Certainly. Yeah. Um, but no, I, so I think circling back around to something we talked about a little bit earlier here that, that when you drained a lot of the other things out of those inner squad races for, um, for the Bowerman track club, um, and for all these other groups as well. And they've run so fast. I wonder if, like draining all of these other things away from the London Marathon. I wonder if that's, it certainly is going to change the nature of the race, but I wonder how exactly it's going to change the race. And maybe that will ultimately result in a faster race. Um, Why do you think it's going to change? I mean, these are not the people that we've been watching for the last four to six weeks race are not the same people that would be racing the London Marathon. Right. So right. why do you think it changes the nature of the marathon? I, I, I can't help but think that it does, but I don't know. It might not. So just in terms of people just going for it, you mean? Yeah. I mean, so, oh, okay. I mean, that, so that's what I'm wondering. So, so I know that it's definitely going to change. Like, it's just going to change the race day experience for Kenanisa Bekele and Elio Kipchoge. It's going to well, change the race Well, I think that's just going to be like a head-to-head. Mm -hmm. That's going to be crazy. I guess right. we have to get up in the middle of the night for that. It's going to be them 100%. and anybody else who can stay with them for as long as they can stay with them. I mean, which will, which will be a pretty good cadre of people. It'll probably be yeah. with them just past the 30 K mark. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I just wonder, I wonder if it'll turn, I wonder if it'll turn, turn the race into that much more of a time trial or, or, or it could do the opposite. It, it could actually, since the focus is on them, it could make it just so much more of a like head to head type battle. I, and, and, and where they're not as, where they're not as concerned about time. So I, I don't know. It's just, I, I think it will definitely change the nature of that race. I just don't know exactly the way it's going to change it. Yeah. Um, it'll and, be interesting and that's one of the things I'll be interested to see. Or yeah. I could be totally wrong about that. They might run it just like they run any other race and, and all these other things that I think that are extraneous and distracting. Maybe they're such professionals that those things aren't distracting to them at all. Um, I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, I mean, every time that I've seen either one of them, um, you know, the videos of each of them, and I like both of them a lot, like all the videos I've seen of, of both of them running their greatest races, they're in front of big crowds and, yeah. they're, and they're raising their arms in victory and people are going crazy and high five them and you're not going to have that. Um, and so I just wonder the way that's going to change the race and, and, and in what way it is going to change it for each of them. I think it'll be interesting to see. You know? I'm excited to see that. So I am too. I am too. I think it's going to be fun. Um, and, and by all means, if, if Jordan Hesse, who says she's the healthiest she's ever been coming into the fall, um, is indeed that healthy. And Sarah Hall, who's clearly pretty fit, uh, ends up running in London as well. I look forward to seeing how they do. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're talking about a 221 and 222 marathon or, you know, being yeah. in the best shape of their lives. So yeah. um, it'd be great to see them you know, put up a big performance there. Agreed, wow. agreed, agreed, agreed. All right, so we teased Monaco just a minute ago. So the Monaco Diamond League meet, uh, track meet next week, right? Yeah. How's it, how's it different? What's it going to look like? Uh, great question. I'm kind of hoping you know those details. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, I know there's, there's very limited events. Yeah. Are yeah. there six events? I think it's something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, the athletes that, I mean, at least the American athletes, uh, they gave them, you know, a special uh, COVID-19 protocol test before they leave America, test before they basically be, get into the country, mm -hmm. test every single day while they're there. Mm -hmm. um, I know Donovan Brazier's there. He's going to run an 800. Shannon Roberry's there. I think she's going to run a 1500. But there's just, I think there's just a, 
to maybe two field events and four middle distance events. I don't know actually the details. Can you just like look it up or something? So 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 no. Well, so what is is it is it this weekend? Is it is it August? I think it's uh, the fifteenth. August fifteenth. All right. So so that's Saturday. Yeah. So 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 certainly possible. So so you know I I feel like. Um, and I read about it last week, and so I should have written out all the details. And, and everybody's listening to our podcast, rolling their eyes at us, wondering why they're right. bothering to listen to us. But <laughs> this is but, very embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, but I will say, I think it's um, I when when I read about it, I was like, all right, this feels like the next incremental step. You know what I mean? Uh, right. It feels like the 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 next step towards what was, um, and 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 it feels. Um, it feels more like what was as opposed to like the impossible games where, where they did like a lot of things that were innovative and different and stuff like that. This feels more like a sampling of the way things used to be. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so I, I'm, I'm sort of interested to see what, what people's takeaway is going to be following this, whether, whether people are going to be like, Oh, let's go back to that cool stuff with like the, the, the leads that pace us and, and all the yeah. odd distances. I'm wondering if people are going to want to go back to that or if they're going to try and find some mix of it or something like that. So I, I, anyway, point being is that I feel like this sort of limited, but very traditional track meet is it's, it's kind of part of this sort of testing that's kind of going on right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, all right, so it's going to be on the 14th, and there's a variety of events, definitely Friday. more than six, but mm -hmm. nothing kind of repeats. Like, they've got the men doing the pole vault, the women doing the high jump, the men doing 110-meter hurdles, the women doing 100-meter sprint. Um, so the women's races are 1,000 meters, the middle distance at least, and okay, the, that's 5K. Okay. So I'm, I'm assuming Shannon Roberry will run the 5K there. Mm -hmm. um, We'll have a triple jump for the women, a 3,000 meter steeplechase for the men, but no steeplechase mm -hmm. for the women, mm -hmm. which is interesting because if you think about it, none of the female steeplechasers really got to steeple this year. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's a few events. It's going to last two hours exactly. Mm -hmm. um, short, quick. It'll be, yeah, mm -hmm. short and quick, but it's still going to be a Diamond League race. The, so. the, they'll, they'll transition quickly from one event to the next and all that sort of thing. So, so yeah, I... You know, it's, it's funny, I was listening to a piece on the radio the other day, and they were talking about how, um, like, all the professional sports leagues in the United States um, are doing their little abbreviated seasons and stuff right now, you know? Yeah. Um, and, like, the NHL is doing their thing, and the NBA is doing their thing, and baseball is doing its thing. And baseball in particular, Major League Baseball is doing all of these different rule changes that they've never done before. They're doing like double headers that have seven innings a piece rather than nine innings a piece. And when they go to extra innings, they're putting a, a base runner on second base just to start the inning. They just put somebody out there. Um, and, and what the guy on the radio was saying, and I think he's right about this, is that they're essentially using this weird time to bench test all of this stuff that they might want to make a, as, as permanent parts of, of the new baseball. Of, of post-pandemic baseball, right? Sure. And so, so let's see how people respond to putting a runner on second base here. Um, let's see how people respond to having a robotic umpire, literally. Right. Um, and so, so let's see how people respond to that. And if people respond to it well during this kind of experimental 2020 season, then maybe we can make it part of our regular season going forward in 2021, 2022, 2023, 2023. And so I'm, I'm interested to see, like, I think this is part of the ongoing process of people experimenting with stuff um I, yeah i think I, I you're gonna see you know the same type of i mean we've talked about this before but you know everybody who was able to transition to work from home and why go back mm -hmm. to work i mean why do we need all these you know office spaces and 
-hmm. you're going to see some type of experimentation or shift just mm -hmm. like across the board in every realm of the way that we live life. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know that, you know, everybody wants to go back to normal, go back to normal. It'll be interesting to see mm -hmm. what our normal becomes and how different it actually is, you know, from pre pandemic life. I agree. Let's, so how is your normal going to be different, Michelle? I mean, like you personally, um, sure. and, and by all means, talk about it as a CPA and as a mom, but talk about it like as an athlete too. I mean, do you, do you think there's going to be things that you start doing more of or less of or differently? Um, I'm actually a little bit nervous about my, everything is going to shift for me starting. I have one, my daughter who goes to school all the way across town starts on Monday. Mm -hmm. um, a big shift for us in that this is her second year at that school, but we're choosing not to carpool. Um, don't want to be, you know, in a close car with any other people from another family. They, they have not said that you can't carpool. They're just highly discouraging it. So that right. means, you know, one of us is, or our moms, hopefully we'll have a four person rotation. Uh, so I'm super nervous because already, you know, I was, when I woke up today at six something, <laughs> I was thinking next Tuesday, like I've got to be run and done and ready for work and out the door with lunch packed by seven fifteen for her. Whatever. I would like so, to point out that I got up earlier than you did today. I know, but I was up late fighting about Might whether I needed to run Might be the today. first time that has <laughs> ever occurred. Yeah, I got up earlier than you did today and I went for a run and then I taught my first day of class today, virtually. Congratulations. I also stayed much. up late. That also gets a congratulations. I stayed up really late too. So I've been yeah, watching the last stay dance. stay up late. <laughs> so I've been watching the last dance. You remember how we were talking about things that bring us oh, joy yeah. back at the beginning of lockdown? The, yeah. the ESPN 30 for 30, the 10 episode about the uh, the Bulls last season. I've been George, watching that. I know what the last dance is. <laughs> so it's, it's about the Chicago Bulls. There's this player named Michael Jordan. You might have heard of him. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm three episodes into it so far, uh, cause it's on Netflix now. It came on Netflix a couple of weeks ago. Um, and since my family is not around since they're like out of the country living right the bachelor now, life. you know um, it, I had spaghetti for lunch and spaghetti for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think the biggest shift for us is they are subleasing half of our office space. They mm -hmm. are literally building walls. Uh, we have an open office space. We're all going to likely go into offices. Mm -hmm. Um, but already like the president of our company and, the VP of operations both came down with strep throat yesterday and the whole, the few of us that are in and out of the office are totally freaked out. So we're definitely going to shift to a more, uh, I'll definitely work from home a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it'll just be a whirlwind because three kids in three different schools and, you know, it's not tens of thousands of people in a public school system, but if all of them actually stay on their schedule, I think it'll be, pretty miraculous the way, uh, you know, this virus seems to be spreading. So I think I've actually, I get in so much trouble for saying this, but the pandemic put a halt to like this frenetic pace of life that I was living. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm sort of nervous to come out of it because I've been like, I haven't enjoyed it, but it hasn't, not suffering I, I, from it the way I, that Michelle, I think, it's I think it's okay to say, <laughs> I, I, th like, I think it's okay to say that, that, that this, this, this changed the pace of your life and it changed it to a pace that you actually like a little bit better. I, yeah. I, I mean, I can sleep. Okay to say. I get more, way more sleep now. So, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I mean, I seem to, you know, like life just throws you curveballs and you adjust. So, mm -hmm. um, it'll be great for my kids to be back in school. Um, mm -hmm. you know, nothing, right nothing, no hard feelings for people whose kids can't go back, but, um, I'm looking forward to them at least having that experience, even if it, makes it harder for me. <laughs> so My, so imme immediately prior to, to our getting on here and report, recording the podcast, I was sitting in a school board meeting, a virtual school board meeting, watching um, 
our superintendent presenting to the school board where I live uh, about about the phased reopening plan that they want to do. Because my son started school essentially this week. They started yesterday. Yeah, uh, they're roughing all, it. All virtual. Uh, and so my wife, the owner of the travel agency, the owner of Blue Pineapple Travel said, well, let's try and make lemonade out of lemons here. And so since we can virtually school from anywhere, let's go to Aruba. Um, and yes, I do mean the uh, the island just off the coast of South America. Oh yeah, um, they are so, in Aruba. <laughs> so they are, and they're doing their Zoom sessions, and they got their Chromebooks, and they're they're in their bathing suits, you know, having their 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 Zoom time with their teacher, and 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 having their speech sessions, and and all that sort of thing. And then recess time comes, and they go play in the ocean, then they come back, and they they hop back on. So so that's the way that they're starting first grade here. Um, and so if you want to check it out, DardensOnTheGo.com. So my wife decided to start a blog and write about it. So, um, and then maybe this will continue on beyond uh, this virtual schooling period here. But speaking of things coming to a, a screeching halt, so if my sons end up going back to school on September 8th, they can't do that from Aruba. <laughs> Wait, so, is that so, the plan? Is that what so, Marietta City wants so, to phase so, starting so, September 8th? So they said, they said that phase one would be some uh, special ed classes and K, pre-K through two. Um, would go yeah, back. Yeah, they're going on, back to school. <laughs> would, would would go back two days a week, um, starting September eighth. So yeah. they'll still have had a month in Aruba, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. I, they're. I feel like they're right at that age where they could really remember this, right? Yeah, for sure. So for seems sure. like even if it's cut short after a month, hopefully they find it totally worth it. Particularly yeah. if their mom writes blog entries about it every few days. Sure. So, so, yeah. so yeah, which, which she, she's written one so far and she's all kind of polishing the blog, but yeah, go ahead and check it out. Darden's on the go.com. So, <laughs> um, uh, and she'll, she'll be writing about all their various adventures there. Um, but like I said, I'm staying at home and teaching at least this week, I'm teaching virtually. I'll be teaching some hybrid classes over the course of the next month or so here. And what does that mean? Are you in the classroom? That means I'm in the classroom, but I'm with a limited number of students at a time. Um, and our college is requiring masks. And so I will be wearing a mask as will all the students. And then I won't be teaching an entire class full of students at once. I'll be teaching only about seven or eight students at one time. And um, do you have to do that multiple times to make up for no, so not so, teaching so, 30 kids at once or so, so no, what I'll do is I'll teach the one small group and then I'll teach the remainder of them virtually. And then I'll oh. teach another small group, then the remainder of them virtually, then another small group, then the remainder of them virtually. Um, and so that might may or may not end up being a more permanent part of the way that I go about the work that I do as a college professor is, is integrating more distance learning and virtual learning with in-class learning. It may or may not. Um, I, I found this summer, I, I taught a class entirely virtually and I enjoyed it a lot more than I would. I wonder, and this is how we can circle back around to, to endurance sports here. I wonder if one of the reasons why I was more inclined to enjoy all the virtual teaching is because I ended up doing a lot more virtual racing and, and, and training over the course of the last several months um, leading up to the virtual class I taught this summer and leading up to today. Um, I mean, I think you like also just the field a little bit. had a better quality of life. Like you weren't going from one side of the city to another mm -hmm. multiple yeah. times a week. Like, for sure. No, all for that sure. time in your car, you sat on your bike instead. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's... no wonder you're in such good shape. <laughs> Right on, right on. So speaking of sitting on my bike and that sort of thing, I, uh, I, I did want to mention, so I, I, they, they opened up a new world on Zwift yesterday. They opened up the new front France and Mont Ventoux worlds. 
um, that, that you can ride your bike on then. Um, I actually raced up Mont Bantu yesterday. I won my did first you win? ever race. Did you I want did. everyone to know that you won? So, uh, I wanted you to know. And, and if you didn't <laughs> tell anybody, that was okay. But I definitely wanted you to know. So, okay. uh, But yes, I did win a race up, up, up virtual Mont Bantu on Zwift yesterday, which I was pretty psyched about. Um, Zwift is talking about all these different sort of changes they want to make right now in terms of uh, having coaching, coach plans and instructor-led workouts like what you would see on Peloton. They're talking about building up to 15 different worlds. They're talking about like actually putting steering and braking into uh, the whole Zwift thing, uh, having sort of premier racing leagues. They're looking at like lots of different tiered subscription programs and stuff like that. They sent out a, uh, uh, a survey about that the other day just to, to ask people what they thought about that. Um, but speaking of Zwift though, uh, you will appreciate my, my birthday was last week. And I got for my birthday a device that enables me to run on Zwift. And so last week I did my first ever Zwift run. What does that mean? That's a, on the treadmill? So yes. So, so the device that I got, it was called, it was called a run, R-U-N-N. Um, and, and you literally like attach to the side of your treadmill and you put a stripe on your treadmill. It comes with these little stickers, but you can just put a, a white out stripe on it. And so that's what I did. Um, okay. and, and then every time that that stripe goes under the sensor, it measures and it measures how fast the belt is actually moving. And, and is it, it correct? And then I guess, um, and then it broadcasts to the, uh, it broadcasts via Bluetooth to wherever it is you want it to go, including of course onto Zwift. And so, so you can pair it with Zwift and you put your iPad or your computer, wherever it is you're running Zwift in front of you. Um, and you start the treadmill, the treadmill actually measures. And then my little avatar guy on Zwift starts running. And then I put a workout in there. So I warmed up and I put a workout in there and the workout, like I programmed it in training peaks and it downloaded it directly into Zwift. And it said, okay, I'm going to run 200 meters at this and then 200 meters at this and then 400 meters at this and then 200 meters at that. And, then and it tells me on there, okay, speed up to this speed. And so you put the buttons on the, uh, you change up the speed of your treadmill and it speeds up and your little avatar speeds up and he starts running faster. Right. And, it, and it's, it's keeping track of your cadence by when your feet are actually hitting the treadmill, right? It's actually keeping track of your, your cadence that way. And, and then you try and match your speed. You hit your splits. It has a nice finish line for you. You have lots of cool things to look at in the virtual Zwift world. Um, and, and you complete your workout. And then, of course, since it was my first run workout on there, they kept giving me all these like badges and rewards and stuff like that. So by the end, I had like five new shirts and I'd gone from level one to level four and I'd gotten these badges for running a mile under nine minutes and under eight minutes and under six minutes and stuff like that. So, so. I mean, I did a workout on the treadmill yesterday also. I wrote it on my hand in Sharpie and started my watch. So I'm here to tell you, <laughs> I'm here to tell you, it was better than your workout was. Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed it more at least. My workout was better. way lower maintenance. So, Start, so, okay. finish, run, done. <laughs> Fair. Definitely, definitely this was much higher maintenance. That's for sure. But no, I, I, I actually enjoyed it far more, a, okay, a far more than I expected to. Honestly, I thought it was going to be a little bit hokey and I actually really liked it. And if no other reason, I actually really liked the, clean, the, the cleanness of the data that it gave me at the end. It was like, you ran 400 meters. This is how fast you ran it. Here you go. And, I, and, I, and it downloaded all that directly into Training Peaks. And I was able to look at, look at that data. I, I really, really liked being able to see that data. It just felt This very, is very like clear. playing a video game, but you're playing and you're the person running on the screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, but, but that's, that's how Zwift builds itself. They, they build themselves as a game. And, and so it's like a fitness game. And they use all of these, these, 
all these psychological tricks and toys that people use in video games in order to try and bring more joy and excitement to the process of, of what can potentially be very mundane endurance training. Well, I would um, say they are extremely successful with you as a user of I, this. I was, I was surprised. And, and I, and so the other thing I was surprised not that I, that, that I enjoyed it. And second, I, I, I definitely think it was better than just a regular old treadmill workout, like in terms of how much I enjoyed it and how much I took from it. I dare say, Michelle, I have another treadmill workout uh, that I'm going to do on Zwift on Friday afternoon on my training schedule. And I'm actually looking forward to it. Okay. I've been looking forward to it for three days and it's still three days away. That's a whole other level of crazy, George. Nobody wants to run a workout on a treadmill. So <laughs> I do. And that's the point is that, that I, I don't think that, that I've, I've had a running workout in a while on the treadmill that I've been like, oh, I look forward to do this workout on the treadmill. Oh, that, that sounds like fun to do that one. No, I mean, I have kind of cool workouts that I'll come up with like different things to make them interesting when I go outside and do them. But I, but, but. I don't usually get excited about treadmill workouts and I'm actually excited about my next treadmill workout because I'm going to do it on the Zwift track, which is called Mayfield. Um, and, and it's based around this, this workout that I designed and I put in all the target paces and it's going to pop up on Zwift and they're going to have my little avatar in his brand new all black outfit running. And, and it's going to be kind of cool. And I'm excited okay. about it. And we'll hear all about it next week. Yes, you will. And, and, and I'll tell you what, if I don't like it, I'll tell you that too. So I have no I, doubt. If, if, if I'm like, if I'm like, okay, novelty gone after one workout, I'll let you know. But, but the novelty is definitely still there. And I, I enjoyed it far more than I expected to. Uh, and, and, and that's for sure. Um, all right. We've talked about almost everything we're going to talk about. No, here. I want to talk about my new friend, the Irish guy. You want to talk about your, oh, tell us about your new friend, the Irish guy. <laughs> no, just explain to me how the whole Everstein thing and the records just keep falling. And then this random guy in Ireland just rides and beats the one that just fell by two so, minutes, by so, 20 minutes. So fair. I am glad that you asked that very question. Michelle. Also, you should know that when I click on these links to these cycling <laughs> um, URLs, I feel like my phone or my computer is like, are you sure you want to go there? I feel like it wants to send me a double authentication. Like, is this really you clicking this link? You need two-factor <laughs> authentication to make sure that, so, so you get like a security message inside your yes. Gmail that somebody might have stolen your phone? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so let, let's talk about, so, so let's talk about Everesting real quick. So we've talked about Everesting several times here and I still have in the back of my mind that maybe sometime in the tail end of this year, maybe sometime over the winter, I might do a, a, a V Everesting on Zwift. We'll see. But Everesting has kind of caught fire here over the course of the last couple of months here among professional cyclists. Now, quick plug, the virtual Tour de France was a few weeks ago. It was while we were uh, uh, mostly in, in our little time off here over the course of the month of July. Um, but in a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of guys, Justin Duggan and Justin Smith, Justin and Justin are going to come on and we're going to have a cycling season preview um, because I can't have a cycling preview with Michelle or otherwise like all the algorithms on her phone as she just said it will freak out. Um, and so, so Justin and Justin are going to come on and we're going to talk about the, the, the new cycling season, the crazy cycling season uh, that, that is, is on the schedule right now. So basically it's, it's kind of fascinating that they're jamming the entire normally nine month season into about three months here. And so uh, we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks, just ahead of the, uh, the tour de France, which normally would be over by now, but is instead going to be running from 
late August until uh, mid to late September. So anyway, um, but uh, but yeah, lots of pro cyclists have started focusing on Eversting over the course of the last little while. Um, you know, we've talked on this podcast before. We talked about Phil Guyman, and then um, we talked about uh, Lachlan Morton, um, uh, how he did it twice in a week in order to try and get that record. Um, and then Alberto Contador. Um, is a familiar name to anybody who follows cycling. He has won seven grand tours um, at the Tour of France, the, the, the Giro d'Italia, the Volta a España. He's won each of those, as a matter of fact. Um, a Spanish cyclist, he retired a few years ago. He's 37 years old now. On the 6th of July, he went out and set a new Everesting record of 727.20, um, beating that 729.57 uh, that Lachlan Morton had set in Colorado. Um, uh, Alberto Contador did it on a segment in France called the Silla del Rey. Um, he did it 78 times, uh, so up and down 78 times. Uh, his total miles was about 98 miles on the day, um, and then he reached speeds up to about 96 kilometers an hour, which is um, knocking on the door right about 60 miles an hour as he headed down. Um, so going down super fast and going back up and down super fast, back up uh, 78 times there. Um, he, uh, he did it in part as a publicity stunt to launch a, a new line of bikes that he has that are called a bikes um, and that, that are sort of his branded bikes here. So not a big surprise here. Alberto Contador, one of the great cyclists of the past two decades sets this Everesting record shows he still, you know, has it um, and super impressive. So three weeks after that, and this is what Michelle was referring to, three weeks after that, relative unknown, a guy named Ronan McLaughlin um, goes out, and, and he's an Irish guy, and he beats also, Alberto Contador's like time by more than 20 minutes. Guy. What'd you say? This guy is, if you just, like, when I saw his picture, my first inclination was, oh, this guy's Irish. <laughs> like, he just looks so Irish. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> Um, uh, well, his name is Ronan McLaughlin, after yeah, all, right. so, so that, that probably helps, but, but yeah, so Ronan McLaughlin, he was, he's a continental level pro, um, and so he's never been a so-called world tour pro, and world tour is like the highest level, right? Okay, um, but if you, if this you're a is all great. Fan, it's like the CBA, yeah, yeah. right? So okay. dude goes out and beats one of the great cyclists of all time's time by 20 minutes. Everybody else has been like knocking off two minutes, three minutes, right. four minutes, six minutes. He goes out, boom, 20 but minutes But also, off. it said that he, he rode on a stretch of road that was three meters wide. Is that so, right? So uh, How do you Alberto, turn? Al Alberto Contador did. So Alberto Contador oh, rode on okay. a stretch of road that at times was only about three meters wide. It's pretty remote. He said the road surface was really, really nice, but at times it was fairly, it was fairly lean, right? So... Ronan just rode this really, really steep section multiple times. Yeah, yeah. So, so he rode 62 and a half repeats of about a half mile a piece. Um, it was 14%, which 14% is <sighs> the steepest hill that probably you can think of. Um, this climb called the Mamori climb, which is near the northwest coast of Ireland. Um, he did it in seven hours, four minutes, and 41 seconds uh, back on the 30th of July here. Are people uh, questioning this? Are people questioning the 20 minutes and the metrics, the measurements? I mean, I know it was certified or whatever, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but I mean, it's a little, how did he do that? Okay, so, so here's the thing. 
And, and so people aren't totally questioning it because it has been certified by the group called the Hells 400 that actually certifies these Everesting attempts. Um, and it's the same group that didn't certify Lachlan Morton's first one, you remember. Um, yeah. Because you have all the data there and they look at it and they make sure and they have certain things that you have to demonstrate that you're doing along the way to make sure that, that, you, that you're in fact putting in the work you say that you're putting in, right? Um, right? But the thing that he did, so this was not his first time. He's done a few. And as a matter of fact, he did one not too long ago, um, earlier in 2020. Um, and what he has done is he has basically found the course that is perfect for it. And he has found the gearing on the bike that is perfect for him for it. And, so he and doesn't he, have to shift the gears? Right. And so he has one gear on his bike. And so he makes the bike as light as it can possibly be. He took all the bottle cages and stuff off the bike. And so he's not having to have any sort of superfluous extra weight on the bike at all. He literally had a, a pair of handlebars, a headset on the bike that he had cut down and customized for this specific purpose. Um, and, and, yeah, and then, and then of course, like I say, he chooses like what he considers to be the ideal stretch of road. Not only the ideal stretch of road, but the ideal length of the ideal stretch of road. And so he basically took the process of, of making this record of Everesting to like the next level. He took a scientific approach to how can we cut off all the different pieces of time that we can possibly cut off and, and, and let's do it. And he did it. And, and he got 20 minutes over Alberta Contador for that. And so, so does anybody beat his time? Like, is there a whole, is there another level? Does this ever end? <laughs> it, it, it seems, it stands to reason there's got to be a place where ultimately it has to end, right? That, that I mean, you know, human, human, human physiology has the, the, this upper limit. But right. I, I think it's interesting, and, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, about how in cycling, and this is one of the places that cycling really differs from running, and it's one thing that I always thought about whenever we were talking about like the vapor fly in running. In cycling, like everybody knows your gear is going to make a big difference in how fast you go and everybody's okay with that. And that's actually kind of part of the strategy is that, that you try and get the fastest and the best gear that you possibly can. Triathlon is the same way. And, and you expect there to be differentials between people based upon their gear. Okay. Like that, that's just going to happen. And that's part of the game. And that's part of what you do is that you get, you, you, you put time and effort into making sure that your gear and your approaches to the gear make you the fastest person they possibly can. Whereas in running, like some people start saying, well, the Vaporfly 4% maze is unfair because some people don't have it. Well, in cycling, in cycling and particularly in triathlon, like that's yeah. part of the game. That's right. kind of what you're supposed to do. Sure. And so, so I, I think the big thing that, 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 um, that, that his, that, that Rona McLaughlin's attempt showed was like taking that approach that sort of scientific approach to lightening weight and 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 finding the right the, the the right stretch of road and just all of that and applying that to an Everesting record and shows like how profoundly it can make a difference in the time so so now if you get somebody who is as good as Alberto Contador and they're in their prime and they take the same approach to it that Rona McLaughlin did could they take off another you 20 or 30 minutes? You could probably go faster. Yeah. They could probably take off another 20 or 30 minutes. That's but, insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. Do you think we'll see as much of it though now that, you know, some of the pro cycling races are actually happening? No. Yeah. No. Seems like uh, so, so no, because, because they, they don't have time. Right. Or <laughs> I mean, they can't yeah. exhaust themselves on that yeah. type of. Yeah. And, and, you know, cyclists, cyclists race, uh, 
somewhere between 70 and 100 days a year. Um, I mean, imagine a runner doing 100 races a year. Um, and that, that's, that's what Sounds you're talking horrible. about. I <laughs> mean, um, that's, that's just what cycling is. You race 100 times a year. Um, and so they just don't, they don't have the time um, or the inclination to spend that type of, of mental and physical effort on an Everesting record. And so, so I don't think so. But we'll see. I could be totally wrong about that. So. Well, it's sure been fun to follow the last few months. <laughs> hey, that's nice of you to say there, Michelle. I finally converted you to being a fan of the Everesting. It only I mean, took like you I've know, four months. I've spent sufficient time on the bike the last two months. So give me a little bit of credit here. There you go. <laughs> That's an excellent point, Michelle. You have indeed. And I, I, I very much admire your willingness to, to, to put in time on the bike when, when you were having issues um, uh, with running. But, but uh, I wonder if that's maybe the reason why your appreciation has grown for Everesting and for cycling in general. I dare say maybe we should bring you on to the Cycling Preview Podcast in a couple of weeks with Justin and Justin. Don't go so deep here, please. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get carried away. <laughs> Let's just leave it as I go to spin classes. There's a leaderboard. I want to win. I like winning. I get the job done and go home. <laughs> all right. All right. I was getting too far ahead of myself. I was getting too far ahead of myself. All right. We need to wrap things up here, but, um, but I do want to mention two quick things. Um, uh, there's some things that we didn't get to talk about tonight. There was a study that came out uh, from Duke that talked about running masks and how s- sometimes wearing a mask is actually worse than not wearing a mask in terms of spread or disease. Uh, we'll talk about that next time. Um, there was some stuff that came up around the great virtual run around Tennessee um, and, and some issues of, of race and politics and privilege and Facebook uh, that we definitely want to talk about as well. Uh, the On Athletics Club, we're going to talk about that next time. Coached by Dathan Ritzenheim, uh, built around Joe Klecker, for better or for worse. Uh, we'll talk about that next time. But there are two more quick things I wanted to mention here. Uh, first thing, we're going to read another book. We are. Tell us about it. I ordered it and it hasn't arrived yet. Oh, okay. Um, So previous winner of Leadville, Katie Arnold, wrote uh, sort of a memoir, autobiography type book. It's called Running From Home. It came out, I don't know if it was uh, 2019 or maybe late 2018. Um, It's a totally different type of book than uh, The Happy Runner. It's just a good story about um, her childhood and the journey of her life and her relationship with her father and her family and the role that running has kind of played through it all. So I've actually read it before. Um, I don't typically reread a book, but I actually wanted to reread it and we got to talking about it and we had a few recommendations for it um, the first go round. So we thought we would go with this choice for the next reading for the book club. Right on, right on. So is it called running from home or running home? Yeah, I think it's running home. Yeah, I think so too. So running Sorry. home, it's okay. Uh, running home by Katie Arnold. Um, uh, like I said, I ordered it and I think it's going to arrive tomorrow and I'll, we'll probably go ahead and start reading it here. But um, Michelle gave it a, a pretty rousing recommendation. And I look forward to reading it. Um, it's a little bit different from some of the, the other running books that I've read. So, so I'm, Yeah, I'm it's nothing it. like Once a Runner or The Happy Runner or any of these books that, you know, talk about training and fueling or mm-hmm. um, the psychology behind running. It's really just a story that is kind of deeply where running is a deeply rooted part of her life. Um, and you know, her journey to winning Leadville, it's not even really the point of the story. It's obviously part of it, but, uh, she's been on every podcast I can think of after it came out. So if you want to kind of get a preview of it and listen to her before you take the dive, then you can find a lot of stuff out there, but 
Awesome. You can just take our recommendation and order the book because it's really very good. cool. Very <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. And so, so we'll talk a little bit more about that next time we come on too, because by then I will have started the book and stuff like that. But yeah, check out Running Home by Katie Arnold. We'll read that. And uh, we'd love to hear what everybody else thinks about that as well. The other thing, the final thing I'm going to mention here is uh, I'm going to recommend that you watch something that's coming out starting on August 14th, starts Friday. Um, it is a uh, show called The World's Toughest Race Eco Challenge Fiji. Um, and it's going to be on amazon.com. Um, and I'm recommending it because, uh, somebody I know is actually on the rate, uh, on the show. Um, so the show itself, it bills itself as from the creator of survivors, 66 teams descend upon Fiji to compete in the most epic global adventure race ever attempted. Bear Grylls hosts this 11 day expedition that pushes competitors to their physical and emotional limits. For the veteran teams, the goal is to win, but for most, the dream is to finish and prove themselves and the world that they can prevail in the world's toughest race. And so my friend who is doing it is a woman named Sonia Wick. Um, and Sonia, when she and I first met, it was 2011. She was actually one of my wife's tri-team teammates on the Rev3 tri-team. Um, and she um, um, was a really established and, and, and very, um, very accomplished triathlete. Um, she and I both did Ironman Coeur d'Alene in 2012. Um, she and I both did Kona in 2012. And then she and I both did Kona in 2014. Um, uh, she went on in 2014, 2015 to start her own coaching company. She ended up moving from Colorado out to, uh, to, to California. And then um, in 2017, and I say this because she just became public about it this week, um, she had a mental health episode. She had a little bit of a breakdown. And so this kind of circles back around to what we talked about when we were talking about the Happy Runner a month ago and about how we both appreciated the way that they very openly talked about mental health issues inside of endurance sports and specifically inside of running. Um, and so I have a feeling that that might come up a little bit in in um, when they're looking at Sonia and when Sonia is on camera um, during this, uh, this world's challenge here, um, which is the reason why she kind of came out with it on her blog and stuff this week, uh, why she, she said she's coming out of hiding um, um, by talking about it here. So I'm excited to watch it. I think it's going to be cool. Um, uh, like I said, she's a very accomplished triathlete and endurance athlete. She's done Kona a few times. She's finished on the podium in Kona. Uh, she's done Norseman, for those of you who are familiar with that uh, sort of extreme uh, triathlon as well. Uh, and she said this was by far her, her greatest challenge. So world's toughest race coming on Amazon.com, Eco Challenge Fiji starting on Friday. Michelle. How many episodes will it be? Let's see. It is season one. It says, I think it's maybe 10 episodes. I'm not sure. I guess we'll see. Like, are they dropping all 10 episodes on Friday or do you have to wait? So I don't know. Um, okay. One way or another, I will have watched the first one come the next time that we are talking to one yeah, another. Yeah, I'd love to and watch so, it too. So, so yeah, for sure. Um, and so season one is included with Prime. So I'm excited to watch that and go Sonia which by the way is the name for a blog, gosonia.com. Um, <laughs> uh, Michelle, last words. I'm pretty tired, George. It's pretty late for me. <laughs> <laughs> Made to stay up late since I had to go to that school board meeting and everything. I feel like I'm just warming up here. I'm I know. Gonna watch what another is... episode of, uh, of Last Dance. <laughs> you are hype. I am dying for, you know, my so. bed right now. <laughs> Very so. good. Very good. Anyway, well, tomorrow morning when to you be are- back. Tomorrow so. morning when you're feeling good and I'm feeling a little bit like not so good, then, then you, you can t say I told you so then. Uh, it is good to be back, Michelle. I agree with you and I'm glad to see you. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody.
That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. And you can always download our podcast from Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, at Facebook, facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. You can check out Blue Pineapple Travel at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, SlayerX. You can find them at SlayerX.com on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Here4SlayerX. That's the number four, Here4SlayerX. On Instagram at Here4SlayerX. Again, the number four. And on Twitter at OfficialSlayRX. Don't forget the discount code PLEASANT2020. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger and Michelle Frank, this is George Darden. We appreciate you joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.